Pastor Ed Taylor makes this observation. What has happened over the years, the topic of the Holy Spirit has created sharp divisions and debates in the church. Instead of embracing the Spirit, so many responses range from the absolute strange to the absolute denial and neglect of the Holy Spirit. From barking and yelping to the Spirit doesn't work today. We don't need the Spirit anymore. Only the, whole, only the gifts were for the early church and n- neither extreme is acceptable. There is some biblical balance of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and that's what we're seeking to find as we study the Scriptures. This is amazing grace. Welcome again to Abounding Grace. On today's program, Pastor Ed Taylor will draw attention to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered what that's all about? Maybe you've seen some weird things over the years attributed to the Spirit, and that sort of scared you off, not wanting anything to do with this. Or you're under the impression that the work of the Spirit really isn't for today. Well, we hope you'll go into this with an open mind and Bible and hear what the Scriptures have to say about this. Here's Pastor Ed. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 and John chapter 14. Acts chapter 1 and John chapter 14. The title of our Bible study today is The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. As we look at the spiritual gifts in response to the promise of Jesus that when he left, he would send the Holy Spirit. And he has left and ascended into heaven. He is at the right hand of the Father right now. And has sent the Holy Spirit into our lives. And we would do well to understand how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now if I asked you, and I will, if you had the choice between receiving limited power or unlimited power, what would you answer? And you can go ahead and answer back. What would you want? I hope you would want unlimited. That makes sense. It's a silly question. I mean, we want unlimited power. If God's offering something to us, we would want that in an unlimited way. We would want to live in the most power that we possibly could. We would want the most from the Lord that he promises. But I wonder how many of you are actually living with the expectation that God will empower you by his spirit. That you understand that you're not here to live for Jesus Christ on your own. That, that you have not been left to your own resources and you haven't been left to your own understanding and your own figuring things. You know, a lot of times you can tell when you are doing things in your own strength with just a couple words and you can just file them away. Maybe they're in your life right now or they need to be filed away. But when I hear people talking about that they're really trying, often that's an indication that what they're doing is really they're giving great effort to do the right thing in their own strength. Because if you and I are always, always trying, 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 we're not doing because God wants, he gives us both the desire to will and to do. So if we describe our life as I'm trying, pastor, I'm trying, pastor, while I appreciate the sincerity and I want to encourage the desire, 
The Holy Spirit, the words that describe the work of the Holy Spirit aren't trying, but doing. This has changed in my life. Another phrase you can look out for in your life when you are attempting to do the work of God in your own human effort is not just the idea of trying, not just when you're talking about trying, but you can know that you are often in your flesh when you're trying to figure things out. And again, there's a good part to that where you're posed with a problem and you're assessing it and looking at that. Nothing wrong with that. But when I hear people continually talk, you know, I'll figure it out. That's their first response. Big problem. I'll figure it out. Really? You'll figure it? Yeah, I'll figure it out. And you might even take the burden upon yourself to figure something out when all the while you're trying to figure it out, heaven's saying, I've got it all figured out for you. Trust me. Look to me. Let me lead you and guide you. And let me put it in a practical way. Well, in, when it comes to limited and unlimited, we often automatically cry out, oh, I want unlimited. How many of you have ever driven your car on empty? Yeah, I know. A lot of us have. I'm not going to ask for raising a hand, although some of you are like, I do that all the time. I know. Some of you not only drive on empty, but some of you have that little edge about you that you actually drive on empty just to see how far you can go on empty. They did, a, they did a 2020 thing on Channel 7, a Dateline thing not too long ago where John Stossel, he actually studied, he put it all together and, and they came to, they found out that you can go about 30 miles below empty. Why do you do that? But I know that happens often with me. I'm, I, I want to make sure our cars are full of gas. I want to make sure Marie's car is full with gas, but often I'm so busy going here and I've got to get there that I mean for a season of my life I even try to change my habits and instead of waiting for it to get empty I tried to develop a new habit of just filling up the tank when it was about half and that didn't last very long I don't know what happened I couldn't set a new habit and there will be times when I'm looking at the gauge and it's not empty it's not on empty it's below empty and I still try to make it and that my friend describes a lot of Christian lives. You're settling for empty and then trying to see how far you can go on empty, filling your tank, if you will, your spiritual tank with the power of the Holy Spirit isn't high on your priority. And often you suffer the consequences as well as we around you. How difficult it is You see, God has touched our lives. We're born again. We are a part of a world-changing ministry. The church of Jesus Christ on the earth today is a world-changing ministry. And our little church is a part of something so much bigger, so much grander. God has a heart for the world. He wants to change lives and has for thousands of years. And he's still doing it. And yet we're attempting to do the work of God in our own strength, in our own wisdom. You know, some of you are so smart that you're leaning on your education and you're leaning on your study habits and, and you're just so good at studying but not leaning on the Holy Spirit. And you're finding out that while you know a lot, it's very hard to apply it because you know a lot, but you know a lot in your own intellect and you haven't lived and you're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you know, you're just so good at what you do that you have been getting by by being good at what you do, even within the life of the church, only to find out that you've been also making a lot of mistakes along the way. Some of you have been trying to be a husband in your own strength, 
trying to be a wife. Some of you, you husbands, let me just speak to you. Some of you husbands right now are not loving your wife as Christ loved the church because you're in the flesh. And some of you wives are not submitting unto your husband as unto the Lord because you're in the flesh. And some of you kids are not honoring your parents, not obeying your parents at whatever age you are because you are in the flesh and not in the spirit. And God is calling you to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is calling you to live a life that only he can live through you. It's the only way. Until then, you're just going to be frustrated. You're going to be beat up and maybe even burned out. Does that describe you? You're tired and you're burned out and you're frustrated serving God, living for God. And I have to say, being tired is not a bad thing because the Bible says that ministry is a work. It's a work. It has the idea of labor. It's very difficult to walk through and walk into the lives of broken people. What sin has done to destroy lives is often what we are met with when we meet someone and our heart is to introduce them to Jesus. So many times our heart is to introduce someone to Jesus because they are in the worst place in their life because of some sin that's entered in, some difficulty. And, and, it, and it can be tiring. On top of that, you're working a full-time job and you have a career and you're raising kids. And yes, it gets tiring, but burned out is not from the Lord. While it's true that we'll be tired in the ministry, we'll never be tired of the ministry And if we find ourselves tired of the ministry or even in that place of being burned out, I suggest to you that that is a warning sign. The lights are blinking on the dashboard. Your tank is empty and you need to walk and come back to a place of serving in the spirit, not in the flesh. Jesus promises you and promises me as believers a power that's not ours. He calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I have the privilege today to introduce you to such a grand, glorious doctrine, the power of God coming upon you. And I know when we mention the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's all sorts of responses to that. For example, there are some of you here today that are new believers. You don't have a lot of religious baggage. And so you're saying, what, pastor? There's a power from God for me. I want whatever God has for me. And it would be good for us to have that new believer zeal, wouldn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah, man, is there something new? That's how I was when the first time I heard of this. I'm like, well, if God has something for me, I want it. If there is something new, something fresh that God wants to do in my life, I want it. But others of you, I mentioned the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I talked about the spiritual gifts last week. You're a little cautious, a little concerned why? Because you have that coworker who has an uncle that has a cousin that has a friend that they live over on the other side of New Jersey and they're spirit filled and all they do is bark like a dog. And I don't want to bark like a dog, pastor. Or scream like a cat or do any, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be in a weird church. I don't want to do weird things. And, and not, everything I know about the Holy Spirit just sounds like weird. Well, if you have a friend that has an uncle, has a cousin in New Jersey that's barking like a dog, that's not the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's not weird. He won't embarrass you. He, he won't work in your life so that everything's all weird about you and people are making fun of you. Or That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, third person. He loves you. He wants to empower you. He doesn't want to make you do weird things. Now, a few others of you, you've come to Calvary and you have a very strong Pentecostal background and you know what your attitude is? It's about time, Pastor. It's about time we talk about the baptism. Great, great. 
I agree with you. It's about time. It's perfect timing in our Bible study in John to talk about the power of the Spirit. You're right. I'm with you. And more and more of you are just enjoying life. You're enjoying the work of the Spirit in your life, and you want to grow more. You know that Jesus Christ was the most Spirit-filled person on the planet, and you want to walk and talk in his footsteps. And I commend you for that desire. But I have to say as well that the devil doesn't want us to learn this topic that, that it is, it is a, a particular plan and scheme of the devil to, to get people talking about the Spirit and maybe even divided over the Spirit instead of living in the Spirit. And that has happened in the church today. It's one of the most divisive topics in the church today, unfortunately. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, there are at least four things in the Bible that God tells us not to be ignorant of. Four things. You should jot them down because they're very important to the heart of God. He he lays them out in the scriptures for us, but then on four occasions he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. Number one, in Romans chapter 11, God tells us he doesn't want us to be ignorant about his plan for the nation of Israel. Don't be ignorant about Israel, especially in the last days where God turns his attention during the seven-year tribulation period to fulfill all of his promises to the nation of Israel. That the nation of Israel has a land that God has given to them. That he's calling the Israelites and the Jews back to their land. Even as I speak, he has a plan and purpose for Israel. He's not done with Israel. And isn't that good to know that God isn't done with Israel? He keeps his promises to Israel. You know what that reminds us of? He keeps his promises to us as well. He's not going to give up on you. He's going to continue and continue. He's going to complete that which he started in you. Praise God for that. Number two, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. God tells us he doesn't want us to be ignorant about the end times, about the rapture of the church, about the soon return of Jesus Christ, about the nature of of the categories of people on the earth today, the Gentiles, the Jews, and the church that are made up of saved Gentiles and Jews. He doesn't want you ignorant about that. Thirdly, according to 2 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, God says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the devil or about the schemes of the devil. Remember what he said? We're not ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant about the schemes and the devices of the devil. He's a real entity. And what, is pe- what have people done with the devil today? They've made him a cartoon character. Don't worry about him. He just hangs out on your shoulder sometimes and then he takes off. And don't worry about the devil, but the devil is real. He has a specific plan to kill, steal, and destroy from the human race. And he steps that up toward those that have pledged their allegiance to Jesus Christ that are born again. Don't be ignorant of Israel. Don't be ignorant of the rapture of the church. Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. And lastly, the Bible says, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know about the spiritual gifts and understand the relationship that you and I can have with the Holy Spirit. God does not, God does not want us ignorant of the spiritual gifts. God does not want us ignorant of the work the power, the presence, the person, the holiness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so what has happened over the years, the topic of the Holy Spirit has created sharp divisions and debates in the church. Instead of embracing the Spirit, so many responses range from the absolute strange to the absolute denial and neglect of the Holy Spirit. 
from barking and yelping to the Spirit doesn't work today. We don't need the Spirit anymore. Only the, whole, only the gifts were for the early church, and n- neither extreme is acceptable. There is some biblical balance of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that's what we're seeking to find as we study the Scriptures. I would just say this. Whether it's applicable to you now or for the future, you cannot live the Christian life in your own strength. It's impossible. That might just be why you're so frustrated and why it's so hard and why you might even feel right now, maybe this has come out of your lips, I tried the Christian thing and it doesn't work for me. Listen, the Christian thing is not something to try. The relationship with Jesus Christ is something for you to do by submitting yourself by faith to the love of Jesus Christ. You don't try it. It's not something like you try a restaurant or you try a car or you try on a piece of clothing. It's a life where his life now becomes your life. The Bible says that when you're born again, you become a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus referred to it as being born again, something that's outside of yourself. So with that in mind, notice with me, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, he begins to teach the disciples and also us on the power of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, he says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's a very key selection of words that Jesus uses. He compares the baptism of the Holy Spirit with water baptism. That's the comparison. The word baptize is a simple word. It just simply means to submerge. It means to go completely under. That's why we believe in uh, believer baptism here, water baptism, and we will take you all the way under the water and then bring you up. Now, how long you stay under the water will be dependent upon how much sin is in your life. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We bring you under the water, we bring you back up. He uses the same word now to describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Same definition, submerged, to be immersed. And what Jesus is describing for us, he's telling the disciples, he says, don't leave Jerusalem until the power of God comes upon you and you're completely submerged in the Holy Spirit. Completely submerged, completely immersed in the presence, power, and person of the Holy Spirit. Wait for it, wait for it. You notice verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Which is pretty typical, isn't it? God's ready to do a great work in your life, and your question is kind of off topic. Something's on your mind. God's saying, Jesus is saying, I've got the greatest power you're ever going to experience. Well, you know, when is this going to happen? And Jesus being so wonderful and so patient to them and to us, he says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, which the Father put his own authority. But let's get back to topic You shall receive power. Circle that word if you'd like to write in your Bible. Circle it and write this word, dunamis. D-U-N-A-M-I-S. Dunamis or dunamis. It's different spellings in different places. It's the Greek word where we get our word dynamite from. However, I I don't like to liken the baptism of the Holy Spirit to dynamite because dynamite has the picture of explosion into chaos. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. I'd much rather like to, to use the word dynamic. 
something that is outside of yourself that when you just see something and you're so amazed by it, it's dynamic. That's where we get our word from that Greek word. There's a dynamic work of the Holy Spirit that's going to happen in your life, guys, in Jerusalem. That's what he says. And he says, notice, you're going to receive power when? Well, he says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and here's the result, you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He doesn't say you're going to go out witnessing. We use that phrase a lot. It's not a bad phrase. You say, well, we're going to go out witnessing. And what you mean is you might be going door to door with tracks or you might be going down to the 16th Street Mall or, and you're going to share the gospel. You're going to witness to people. You're going to give your witness and testimony of the presence and power of Jesus Christ and hopefully people will get saved. You pray for them right there and lay hands on them, invite them to a church and, and you go witnessing. That's not what Jesus is referring to here. He's referring that you not, won't go witnessing, you will become a witness. He's speaking about power for service. He's speaking about power for ministry. He's speaking about the power to live your life as a believer in Jesus Christ where naturally you are a witness, you don't just witness, which is a very important distinction. Now, go back with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is nothing new. It's mentioned throughout the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, it's mentioned... John says he will baptize you, speaking of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus mentioned it in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He, he said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. It's mentioned in John chapter 1, verse 33. Uh, again, speaking of the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed, as you were talking about this baptism of the Spirit, a question came to mind. Some might be wondering, when I was saved, didn't I receive all of the Spirit at that time? Would you address that as we close? Well, Larry, that's a common question. It's a more common question than people realize because you think, well, was I shortchanged? And that's a good question to ask. Was I shortchanged? Here's the answer. No. You were not shortchanged. When you were saved, you received all of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He came to dwell in you, seal you. The Holy Spirit, God, lives in you as the down payment of your future fullness of redemption. You received it all. Here's the thing. The question becomes, did God receive all of you? And when you think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you think of it in terms of water. You know, you're hot, long day, you take a drink of water, it comes into you, and it's refreshing. Maybe someone comes and squirts you with a hose, it's refreshing. But what if you go into the backyard and you jump into the pool? You don't have just the, the, the water inside of you. You don't have just that water on you. You are submerged. The water in the pool, when you dive down to the bottom, the water has you. And that's God's heart for you. He wants you. God wants you to surrender and submit. He wants to empower you. I mean, if, if you were standing there on a hot day, I know in Texas right now, it's super hot, you're working hard, and somebody says, hey, I give you an option. You can take a drink of water or you can dive in my pool. I hope you choose the pool and just take it in, jump in, and let God do what he wants to do in your life. Thanks, Pastor Ed. 
Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. All this month, we're featuring an excellent book by Scott Sauls titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. We all have regrets, hurts, and fears, and they can weigh us down, even make us feel like there's no way out. In Beautiful People Just Don't Happen, you'll learn how God redeems regret, hurt, and fear in the making of better humans. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support, as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. Here's a question. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 